0: This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more
4: with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, it's Zach Seward. It's Taco Tuesday. You're watching Coindesk TV. We are The Hash. We get you up to speed on all that is going going down in the crypto world. We got Will. We got Wendy, we got Jen, and I think Jen is going to start us off with some Apple news. Take it away, Jen. You got it.
3: All right. So Apple has greenlit offering in-app NFT minting, buying, and selling, but the company is refusing to exempt NFTs from the app store's 30% fee. So if you don't know, Apple has an Apple tax on in-app purchases of 30%. And should an app choose to offer an NFT, they will be taxed accordingly. Now, on top of this, Apple's in-app purchase service cannot handle crypto payments. So even if an app wanted to launch an NFT, they wouldn't be able to accept crypto. There are a few other roadblocks here for apps that want to maybe offer their audience and users a different way to getting NFTs to access their services. But we can get into that later on in the segment. Will, I'm going to pass this one off to you. Does this feel like Apple is just saying no to NFTs?
2: No, I don't think they're saying no to NFTs, but I, I do think they're saying yes to pay me more money. And that's what Apple has done with their app store historically, right? That 30% tax has always been there and it's always been a pain in the side of many developers. If we go back to Epic Games, which is the developer of Fortnite, they had a huge issue with Apple as well. They went to a suit with them and they tried to take about as much information as they could about Apple's internal policies and bring them to light. And that was a huge battle between a Web 2 company that just develops video games and Apple. And we see the same thing with Web 3 companies that are developing NFTs and Apple. Apple has this monopoly on the market, whether you like it or not. You know, they develop everything from your software all the way to your hardware and everything in between. Uh, you know, I'm using AirPods right now. People are integrated into Apple and Apple can get their 30% cut if they want to or not. And so I think that's the battle for these NFT marketplaces going forward is like if you want to have all the revenue in your own pockets and you want it to go to creators, you want it to go to artists, well, you're going to have to put up with Apple or you're going to have to go to another platform. You're going to have to make your own phone or something like that. Shout out to Solana. You know, there's, there's options around it, but none of them are great. So you're just sort of stuck with the status quo. We'll see what happens with the story. But my mind, I don't think anything changes for quite a while. Like even large video game makers like Epic, didn't really move the needle on this because it's Apple's property. They can do with it what they want. I think here we do have a great story though showing the battle between web two and web three. A web three version of Apple would not have this 30% royalty. There'd be options, there'd be different things around it that allows you to use a marketplace, but you know, you can go different places in order to purchase things. A web two version of Apple, you see that 30% tax you get on top of everything. I don't know whose hand went up, but I'm gonna throw it up to Zach we we'll get your take. I What's saw, focus, Wendy. I saw
4: Wendy's good. hands. I'm, I'm, I want it. I want these.
0: it. Okay. So <laughs> I wanted to kind of piggyback off of what Will said, because we do have this Solana phone now. Is it going to work? Is it going to solve this problem? Maybe. But again, Solana does seem very, very centralized. I do think we will start to see. Well, do you guys remember the last bear market when we had all these crypto companies that created all these cell phones, but they actually never ended up taking off. That was like the big gimmick. Um, It was a good idea. But again, (laughs) entrepreneurship is hard. Entrepreneurship is very, very hard. So hopefully we see more crypto companies. We get maybe... Well, actually, I don't even think we would get like an Ethereum-based phone just because of the actions that Vitalik has taken recently, in my personal opinion. But we do have Samsung that has talked about becoming more crypto or Web3 friendly, kind of outside of the States. But I do know that other crypto companies have tried to get on the App Store or the Google Play or whatnot. And they do have some of the same stipulations, like they basically can take down your app whenever they feel like it. So sometimes it is a waste of time and money. But this does open the marketplace or the market share for a company to step in and say, hey, we've got this really cool Web3 phone and you don't have to pay these 30% fees. I may even be interested in switching from Apple to try something like that because I'm very interested in Web3. However, one thing I do want to let the audience know, you should be very careful doing anything crypto, Web3, NFT related on your cell phone that you carry around with every single day. You should have a second phone for that just in case you get fished, hacked, SIM swap,
4: et cetera. Zach, go ahead. I saw Jen's hand again. I'm, I'm, I'm eyes on the hands today. Jen, you take it. Odd man out.
3: Zach, you're being so nice today. Okay, to Wendy, to your point, Sure. I think anyone can develop a new phone. Salon can go out and try and make a Web3 compatible phone. But where are all the users? Like Will said, I think all of us, except for Zach, Wendy, I'm not sure about you, at least Will and I are wearing AirPods right now. I am looking into a camera on a Mac. Apple has done a really great job at creating this ecosystem, embedding themselves in our lives. And for a new phone to come out there, if it doesn't connect with all of the things that I'm already using in my life, there is another hurdle that we need to... We need to overcome when it comes to like all of these other people that are not us that we want to get into Web three. Unfortunately, I still think that they're going to be wanting that iPhone for for a very long time, and Apple's still going to have that stronghold. Zach, it's time for your take.
4: I saw Will's hand go up. Seriously, guys. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God! I mean, think you know I think. How many times I are you going to talk Zach. to this? You got it. No, will.
0: I got a really good dad joke. I I think Zach doesn't want to take it because he's still using a Cricket or a Nokia or something like that. He doesn't want to get sued by Apple.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I will take it. I will take it. This reminds me of the story from last week where we talked about a few NFT marketplaces. And there's also a race to the bottom right now in listing fees, you know, royalties. Are we going to pay these royalties to these creators? And oftentimes the marketplaces are now saying, no, we're not going to. The race to the bottom in the NFT marketplace, we're not seeing that in these other marketplaces for app stores, because like you said, it's so concentrated. It's Apple or it's Google or it's nobody else. And Apple can take that money and run with it and they don't have to do anything about it. So I, I don't see anything changing here. I think it's unfortunate for NFT marketplaces. Like This is a huge part of what they want. They want to build a wallet. They want to build an app. They want to enable NFT purchases inside of it. But that's going to be a non-starter at this point because Apple's is going to continue to get that 30% rent from everybody. Zach, I will give it to you for next story.
4: Last, last take, I'll do it quickly. Yeah, the 30% thing is not insignificant for NFT creators. That is a huge chunk of change when we're talking about like big ticket NFT purchases, right? And I think it's also probably the best talking point for a Web3 phone or marketplaces that exist off of the giant, and, uh, platform that is Apple in this instance, right? I think it was Anatoly from Solana saying, hey, we need a device that treats crypto as a first-class citizen, not a second-class citizen as it's being treated in uh, Apple land and elsewhere in Web2. Are they going to be able to seize that prize? I don't know. Can someone else do it? Maybe, but it'd be interesting if there was a third path that sought to escape some of this rent extraction from the big platforms in our lives. Anyway, that's all I got. I think we're changing gears. Wendy? You take it.
0: Kind of, sort of, because I personally think that Apple and a lot of these other big companies are scared to really integrate crypto because of laws and regulations. So here we have it. CFTC Chair Benham says, number one accomplishment is track record of enforcement actions. So the CFTC Chair recently spoke on a panel hosted by a law firm, Lowenstein Sadler, and he says he gets very irritated when folks talk about the CFTC as a more favorable regulator. He should actually be happy (laughs) that we're saying that they're a little bit more favorable because We don't like the SEC. We don't really care for Gary Gensler because he's actually done nothing positive for the crypto industry, in my personal opinion. But he says that the CFTC's greatest accomplishment was his track record of crypto-related enforcement actions. And the CFTC wasn't attempting to play fast and loose. I love that saying (laughs) when it comes to enforcing commodities (laughs) laws against crypto firms. And they said that we also be very creative in how the agency applies existing laws to encourage exchanges to come into the regulatory fold. And he also said they do not have the resources to do its own data analytic investigations, which is absolutely ridiculous when you're an enforcement agency. I think Will's hand went up first, but if Jen and Will want to fight for it, this on this Taco Tuesday, I'm for it.
2: I'll duke it out. I'm CFTC. You're SEC. Now we'll dig into it really quick, and I'll throw it over to Jen. This headline yeah, is I think I it's shaking that. a little bit. I like it. I like that they threw this one out there because I think it reminds you who we're dealing with. We're dealing with regulators. A lot of people. Talk about the CFTC and like, oh, we want them to be the enforcement team on this. They've been more friendly to the industry to date. Well, that might be true in some instances where we've liked some of the things that they've said. But at the same time, they're a regulator. They come at it from a very different angle than any four of us on this show are going to come from it. And anyone else in the industry is going to come at crypto from. It's going to be completely different. It's more than likely going to mirror what the SEC has done, right? You're going to see enforcement action on a limited basis against high profile names for a lot of money. We're not going to see this huge regulatory rollout of lots of laws, regulations, very clear. They're not going to go after every bad actor in the space. It's not going to happen because they don't have the funds to do that. I don't see that ever happening. And if Congress, you know, if they throw a million dollars them, they throw a few billion dollars at them to figure this out, can they still even do that? I mean, there's literally thousands of token pairs on Uniswap, thousands of token pairs on Uniswap that are utterly meaningless and just meant for Ponzi scheming and extracting money from retail and have no idea what they're purchasing. And it's very, very difficult to go and find out where these people exist, where their IPs are traced to, where that money is being cashed out. The CFTC and SEC, they basically have a thankless job, and they have to go after high-profile people like Kim Kardashian the other week or EOS in the last cycle in order to stop any sort of big projects moving forward and extracting more rent from other people. So I think this headline is actually like needed and is, is interesting to see the CFTC fire back after all the positive headlines that we've seen about them in the past. Jen, I'll throw it over to you.
3: I just want to say that I recently said that the CFTC just wants the bag. They want that SEC (laughs) money. They don't want to be our friends. They keep talking about it, how they do, they're doing all this stuff. They don't have a lot of budget. We should feel sorry for them. Benham said that, you know, it's been a result of anonymous tips and whistleblowers. The agency doesn't currently have enough resources to do its own data analytics and investigations. They're only regulating through a pinhole. But if they had more funds, things could be different. This is the CFTC's moment to shine. The crypto industry has a lot of money in both the industry and in regulation. And I think that the CFTC wants that. Zach?
4: Yeah, they're tough. They're tough, too. They can get that money. They're tough, too. They're not the soft (laughs) pushover regulator. They're tough. And it's worth remembering that, you know, the CFTC is doing this DAO thing, with the UKI team. They led the charge Mm -hmm. on BitMEX not long ago. We often forget about that. They've done quite a few high-profile instances of regulation by enforcement. So he's not wrong when he says that that's a big part of what the CFTC brings to the fore when we're talking about crypto regulation. It's going to be really interesting to see how the territorial sort of turf war shakes out between the SEC and the CFTC, especially after the midterm elections, right? We're going to see maybe a potential change in the guard in terms of who's going to be approving such things. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how it all shakes out. If the Bitcoin maxis get their wish of having the CFTC sort of regulating Bitcoin as though it's gold or corn futures or what have you versus all that other noise in the, in the, in the ICO market or whatever, like it's going to be fantastic to see how it all shake, shakes out. And I think we're going to talk a little bit later about sort of this interesting relationship between ex-regulators jumping over into the space to advance some of these policy aims. But interesting one to watch. And it's cool to see him talking tough on stage. Wendy, let's talk to you.
0: Wouldn't it have been nice to just have had regulation or some sort of guidelines put in place like a couple of years ago, instead of just wasting money and time, especially taxpayers' time and money on all of this banter back and forth. I feel like the SEC and the CFTC could have been so much more profitable with collecting fines. The IRS could have been collecting more taxes. The industry could have advanced. Good things could have happened, but instead regulators are just being lazy in my personal opinion. So I had to leave us at that before break. Zengo Crypto Wallet is an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which, until now, has only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. Zengo is the most secure Web3 wallet and the best place to keep your digital currency, NFTs, and assets secure. It's also fully recoverable using the wallet's biometric recovery kit. Get started at zengo.com slash hash and use code hash to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web 3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap in wealth through Web 3.0. Each week, we'll be learning from powerful women sharing their insights on topics like creating belonging and inclusivity in the digital spaces, the metaverse, building prosperous Web3 projects, investing in cryptocurrencies, and building wealth. And we have how-tos from founders and builders who have been there and done that, healing sessions to give you the power to overcome imposter syndrome, and everything you need to level up in your crypto journey. At the end of each podcast, stick around for some zen with a relaxing meditation to center you after absorbing all the stories and the knowledge. I'm your host Cams and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you. Let's get it.
2: And welcome back to The Hash. Let's move into intelligence land. Two Chinese intelligence officers are being charged for using Bitcoin to enable treason. Some interesting stuff going on here. A bribe for about $61,000 in Bitcoin was you know, offered to some U.S. intelligence agency personnel in exchange for some information about an ongoing uh, litigation against a Chinese technology firm by the U.S. Department of Justice that bribe did not work out so well. And right now, those two uh, Chinese intelligence agents are being charged with obstruction of justice. We see also that they were using some interesting technology from a Bitcoin space or using coin joins in order to break the obfuscation trail of the Bitcoin transactions, which is a little novel. I'm sure that'll bring a little heat on Twitter. It's an interesting story because we have Bitcoin back in the national security purview. I mean, If you guys remember last year, we had a few of those stories, right? Where Bitcoin was used for ransomware, for shutting down some pipelines. There's a few other high-profile cases, and we saw the Biden administration try to tackle Bitcoin and put out some of its executive orders because of that. Now we have it again, but this from a different angle with the Chinese intelligence agents trying to offer a bribe to some people. Did not say whose hand went up. Zach, going to throw it to you. I think you're my guy whenever I don't know whose
4: hand went up. That's all right. I'm 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 here That's for you. Yeah. International intrigue involving Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is mostly like a bit player in this story, right? This is just trying to find ways to transfer money to do nefarious deeds. A little bit of light treason for fans of Arrest development. But yeah, 61,000 <laughs> here, not huge sums. Interesting to see this come to light. And yes, like the sort of the obfuscation efforts here as it relates to making these transactions a bit more untraceable than they typically are on a public ledger is certainly worth noting. It didn't ultimately work out here if i'm reading this correctly obviously these people are facing ramifications of this stuff but yeah the idea that bitcoin is used as a cash-like equivalent in the world of international again misdeeds yeah definitely kind of kind of par for the course i don't know i don't know what the comment here is on bitcoin to be honest but it's interesting to see it linked to this story i think i saw wendy's hand but maybe i didn't wendy
0: i just want to say I think it's just so interesting every time they try to bring Bitcoin into it and make it seem like Bitcoin is the thing that's doing, that's making people do bad things. No, Bitcoin is the reason why these people got caught because even though it's supposed to be private, it's not private. You can see it on the public ledger. And even if you're using these types of wallets that mix your coins, you can still track this stuff down. So if anything, regulators and law enforcement should be happy that Bitcoin exists because I feel like it's a little bit easier for them to catch people doing bad things. Because let's face it, if this transaction happened with a briefcase of cash, could it have been tracked? Yes, no? Kind I of, with, of
3: sort of. I'm I mean, with Wendy on this one.
4: I, I like the shruggy. I like the I was just going yeah. for this. I was just like <laughs> I was, like the digging I don't the pregnant pause We Do we know? know? <laughs> we don't know. So I
3: can just... like, it's just...
0: go... I'm sorry, Jane, go ahead. I'm excited about this.
3: <laughs> I want to go so quick and toss it right back to you. I can just see regulators now saying. Crypto is used by China to undermine the U.S. Just like Will said, we've seen these headlines before and we've seen how regulators have responded to it. And it's just so unfortunate that, Wendy, they are not looking at this sensically through an objective lens and they're not seeing the other side of the coin because I think we would get regulation much quicker and that would just be better for us all if they did. In the article, there's an FBI supervisory special agent who said who said that the safe method of paying law enforcement was used, calling Bitcoin a safe method. And I think when he says safe, maybe he means, you know, it's a more private way. It's a more anonymous way to transact and therefore it is bad. But Wendy, to your point, it is actually very easy to track Bitcoin. And we've seen time and time again, criminals get caught because they're using crypto. So it will be, you know, it will feel like deja vu when we see this play out through the mouths of regulators. But Wendy, I'll give it back to you for a last word because I interrupted you, I'm sorry.
0: It's just mind-blowing, that's all I gotta say. It, it's just becoming this big drama. And again, we're wasting taxpayers' time and money and we're like, it's just ridiculous. I'm very irritated with, with all of these headlines because it's really not doing anything. What is it doing? You're just saying Bitcoin is bad when in fact it's not bad because it actually helped you catch the alleged bad guys. That's all.
4: I'll yeah, I'll pick, pick it up, up one. one oh, oh wait. you got it, Zach. Oh man, so well today. Today. we are so different- not doing well today. so. I have cut <laughs> you off too Will, many times, I'll today, I'll
3: give
2: sir. It to you.
4: Last, last take to you. you got
2: it. <laughs> okay, last thought. I just want to wrap up with, what what uh, Wendy was saying there. I agree. I think like Bitcoin was sort of like thrust into this story, not necessarily needed, but I could see how a lot of people who are not familiar with Bitcoin would find this intriguing. The fact that you are able to use Bitcoin, this digital asset that doesn't have a nation state behind it. And you're able to have some international intrigue, as you said, Zach, right? That is the first in uh, the, the history of spy stories. So I think it is interesting and novel in that way. But if you know Bitcoin, it's also just a means of moving money very easily. So it's not necessarily like that interesting. Bitcoin is a very neutral technology, and that's why they chose to use it. It's liquid, pretty easy to move around, pretty easy to give to someone else. The difficulty here, of course, is that it's not as private as many people think. And so, you know, fairly simple to go and find out where the Bitcoin came from, where it's going and how to uh, surrender it to authorities. But again, I do think it is novel that there's a digital currency without a nation state behind it now being used in the international spy scene. So
4: that's something to definitely watch. It's a narrative watch for us. Narrative watch. Yeah, binoculars. All right. Let's change (laughs) gears. Let's go to DC. We're going to Capitol Hill. We're talking about something that we talk about often here the revolving door of former regulators in Washington finding cushy jobs within the crypto industry. This is not unique to the crypto industry. This happens across a lot of industries where former regulators, lawmakers, prominent folks end up leaving the public sector and entering the private sector, often in sectors in which they were involved in, in a public capacity over in DC. So what we have here is Liz Warren and AOC saying, regulators guys better make some rules to make sure this revolving door doesn't revolve so much so we've been seeing a lot of this back and forth in the cftc and even the sec people jumping over from those regulatory bodies into fairly prominent venture capital firms and crypto projects themselves this is something we note upon often and i think this is a fun headline to discuss we'll toss it straight to wendy for her take
0: once the public servants can stop traditional financial insider trading by other public servants, they have no business speaking upon crypto. Make sure your backyard and your home is run properly before you come for other
4: people. Mic drop.
3: Yeah, well, that was a mic drop. I kind of want Wendy to say more.
4: It's the mic drop. She can't I'll, say more. You know, I'll like... just
3: take it. take it from there. <laughs> I think, okay... If we if we look at where Warren and AOC are coming from, okay, fine. It's a fair question to ask. But then if we really think about it, aren't they shining a light on government officials, maybe not being able to avoid influence and not being ethical? Like they're saying these people are leaving government, they're working in the industry, and now they have this immense power to influence officials to the point where we won't be able to regulate the industry efficiently. I just don't think that's the case. I feel like if you've if you've worked, For government, and now you're working in an industry that is trying to work with government, you have an insight. You're able to help people work together on both sides of the coin. I think that, I mean, I'm not a regulator, but I think that this is better. And I think that this is a very one sided way of looking at things and a very almost a way to kind of halt innovation, right? We can't innovate if we can't regulate quick enough and if we can't have people who understand how the government works we can't regulate quick enough. And so that's how I feel. Will?
2: Mm, that was some good points there. I think we need to back up the truck a little bit and realize where this headline comes from. And that's when that guy from Celsius joined JP Morgan the other week. That was huge mm. news. That was a pretty big wake-up call, I think, for a lot of people in the industry, <laughs> that there is a revolving door. I think anyone in the journalism, beat of crypto or anyone who's been paying attention to headlines over the last three years, notices that this revolving door does exist now, previously did not exist five years ago. No one really cared if you're a crypto firm or not. Now they do. They want to have that experience in their books. Banks are bringing these people in. They're doing all that sort of stuff. It's not always great. Not always the great people are going into these banks. And I think a lot of times that leads to this wandering eye from DC. They're going to start checking in on these things a little bit more often. So I would point to Celsius and JP Morgan the other week for this coming from Washington, D.C. Up to you, Zach.
3: It's not the same, Will. I, I was, I was, dude, it's very similar.
4: Check, he, dude, bonus points for bringing up that super funny story about the Celsius <laughs> JPM, but it's company <laughs> yeah. to company, you know? It's not like, you know, public <laughs> sector, private sector. I, I, think, I, think, I think there's one. something there. All right, well, you're entitled <laughs> to that opinion, sir. Thank, thank you for um, expressing your viewpoint. Taco fight,
0: taco fight. <laughs>
4: I think the one that comes to mind for me is like Brian Quintenz, right? Former CFTC commissioner who is now uh, sort of helming regulatory efforts at A16Z, which has a huge stake in the advancement of this industry, right? So that one stands out to me. Christian Carlo, also a former CFTC chair. I think he has a couple advisory roles, one with like CoinFund, a venture capital firm. So I think that is natural, right? This is what we see across industries, right? People think about what they did in their regulatory capacity. They think, hey, maybe I want to work on these issues in a different capacity and go join the private industry that I was previously working with to advance positive legislation—I don't think there's anything necessarily ethically dubious about that. It's just something that happens often with public servants who then segue into the private sector. So I guess my point to Warren and, and uh, AOC would be: as long as this is being uniformly applied, like that's fine. But the idea that this can be sort of segmented to just this one aspect of private industry—that one seems a bit, a bit weird. But is in keeping, I think, with. What's generally sort of the Democratic Party's, I guess, like, they're they're more wary of crypto, I think, historically, even though there's been some progress on on that side of the aisle in terms of the crypto embrace. But who knows? I think the revolving door will keep on spinning. But maybe this will be a bit more friction uh, in the months ahead. Jen, last thoughts on this one?
3: I think that control should make us a revolving door graphic. I would love to see that with all of the government officials that have ventured into the private sector i think it would be a great meme that we could use often on the show and off and that's how i would like where would you use it off the my show on twitter okay <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just the answer on twitter <laughs> <laughs> wendy i will relinquish my final thoughts to you maybe you have something smarter to say
0: I would like to see if we can get some sort of licensing rights to play Warren G regulators anytime we say the term regulators, because it's just funny at this point. It's just, a, it's just a mess and it's just bear market things. That's all. I'm done. I need to talk.
4: <laughs> Wendy, if Wendy you do the I Nate Dog part, if insight. you do the Nate Dog part, I will do the Warren G part and we can just
0: let's just, go. Let's go. You know
4: what I'm saying? Fair use, right? Just jam it, you know, next time. All right. That's it for the show. It's Taco Tuesday. There's a Taco Tuesday slide, <laughs> control said. I'm contractually obligated to put on the Taco Tuesday slide. Uh, It's there. Put on the gyro. I think they're putting on the the gyro Happy Tuesday. All right. That's it for the show today. Thanks, everybody. I'm Zach, the taco guy. That's Wendy. She's a true taco aficionado. There's Jen. They don't have tacos in Toronto. I don't know. Maybe they do. And there's Will. They probably don't. He's Will. That's it. All right. Thanks for watching us today. We'll be back tomorrow. That's it.
3: Bye. Bye.
4: You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.